coming of the Second World War, many eyes in imprisoned Europe turned hopefully or desperately toward the freedom of the Americas. Lisbon became the great embarkation point, but not everybody could get to Lisbon directly. And so a tortuous roundabout refugee trail sprang Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The B-Side. It's a spinoff podcast of the Film Stage Show for the Film Stage website. We cover movie stars, but not the movies that made them famous or kept them famous, but rather the other movies they made in between. And today we're going back. We're talking about a man who is dead. It's Humphrey <laughs> Bogart. <laughs> And I'm excited because it's a change. It's a change from, you know, your Ryan Gosling's, your Colin Farrell's, your Kate Blanchett's, what have you. And, you know, an actor and movie star that is beloved in many, many ways and made a few really weird movies. Uh, and we're going to focus on four of them. And we got a great guest to talk about it with today. Obviously, Connor's here. Connor O'Donnell, what's up? Uh, you know, I'm okay. All right. All right. Great. Thank you. The energy is high. Thank you, Connor. <laughs> Um, and we I'm, have, I'm great. Dan. And we have, we have also, uh, very excitedly, New York City actor and writer Nate Washburn, who runs a online series called Classic Hollywood Movie You Should Know, which I've been loving, and you've been doing for about a year, right? Almost a year now. Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. And it's a one a week, mm -hmm. and you're talking about. Hollywood movies and yeah. uh, it's a big range. Oh, which absolutely. I love. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I try to. So the sort of genesis of the idea, it came from um, my wife, who is not a huge fan of like old movies. Sure. I was raised. My dad's a bit of a wacko. So <laughs> when I was younger, like Thanksgiving and Christmas and, and holidays and like if we had a day off, we didn't watch sports like we weren't like a big football family or anything like that. We'd pick like the Marx Brothers and do like a really? marathon of Marx Brothers movies. See, that's nice. Or like Abbott and Costello or the Little Rascals or something like that. So I right. was I was raised watching like black and white old classic Hollywood movies. And it just there's something to them. And so when I, I married my wife, Christy, and I I'd, we'd be sitting there and she'd be like, oh, you know, let's put on, I don't know, The Office or watch like some friends or some something else sure. that's on Netflix. And I'd be like, oh, you know what we should watch? We should check out. It happened one night, and this is the movie that like started the idea. I was like, "We should watch it happen one night." She's like, "Ah, I don't, I don't really want to watch that one." Right, and I was like, "No, you don't understand. This is a great movie. It's from 1935. It's Clark Gable. It's Claudette Colbert." And she's like, "I really don't know who those people are." And I'm like, "But it's <laughs> one of three movies that won the Grand Slam of the Oscars. It won Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Picture." <laughs> There's only three movies that have done that. And she's right. like, oh, okay, I'll check it out. And of course, we turn it on and she loves it right. once it started. And she kind of looks at me and she's like, you know, you should record something just to like tell people why they should watch these movies. Sure. And so it, it just sort of like planted the seed. Yeah. And I spent, um, honestly, several months like recording 10. And my goal was like, if you look at the first few, because I, I, they're all posted in order on my YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, classic Hollywood movie you should know. <laughs> um, <laughs> shameless plug but I was doing like a different studio right. each week I was trying to do like a different star I was going to do like oh if I did like a Jimmy Stewart movie I could only do one so I had to pick like a perfect Jimmy Stewart movie to do and so I tried to go all over the place I tried to do different decades I didn't want to just focus on like the 30s or the 40s I didn't want to do all the best picture winners because like those movies people do still sure. seem to watch yeah. right. but 
you know, somebody might not watch Freaks by Todd Browning. Sure. So that was one that I was like, you know, it's an interesting movie. Well, and even like you it's have like the B side, but for Hollywood movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there are big ones like for well, Halloween. Right. I did The Exorcist. Uh, for Christmas, yeah, I did you'll, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, you'll, you'll, yeah. But that's why the variety is great because even like someone like me, and I like to think I've seen a decent amount of older movies, right? But a blind spot for me, and still is a is a blind spot. But but you help me with this. Is you did the one episode about Laurel and Hardy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the movie that you recommend? You did all. It was like a wide ranging, right? Yeah, the Laurel and Hardy one was tough because my preference for them, they did features. But the right. real, the good the early for ones, them right? Is the shorts. Well, what was the short you said you should start with? The music box. Okay, so I watched your episode, yes. and I literally what like it's on YouTube. Yeah, yeah you can just and watch the, the music box right away. I watched it, and that was that's a perfect example where you know I like I said I'm someone who feels pretty well versed in films right. generally, right? But that was a blind spot. I watched your episode. I watched the music box probably here, right? Like just like beginning of the day, <laughs> watched like a 15 minute, you know, whatever yeah, however yeah, long it is. Yeah, loved it. And now I'm kind of am, you know, excited to watch more, excited to, once I feel more comfortable with Lauren, Laurel and Hardy, watch the Stan and Ollie movie where Coogan yeah. and uh, John C. Riley yep. play them. Yep. So, you know, point being, there's, you know, another blind spot that I know Connor loves this movie. You covered Palm Beach Story, right? I did, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, Preston Sturgis all, is... All-time all, all fan. Oh, all my, time that fan. is one of the funniest damn movies that I've yeah. ever seen. Yeah, I, and so I watched that similarly because of your episode. I was like, I gotta freaking finally oh, watch that. Oh, you mean my love of that movie and recommending it Connor, to you? It wasn't enough for you guys? Wow. It's getting you're, dramatic You're here. welcome, the energy You're is, welcome. The energy, Sorry, Connor. What? The energy is rising, <laughs> but it's an angry energy. I quit. Connor's leaving. No, but Nate, I was, I was, uh, slam. Uh, no, uh, no, I, Nate, I was really excited to have you on because I myself, that's like uh, classic movies in general are my sure. bread and butter. And uh, in regards to Bogey, I think what we're going to focus on, which, um, which yeah. I'm super psyched about, because it, a couple of them were actually blind spots for me. Uh, most of them I had seen, with the exceptional one. Uh, but we are going to do Dead Reckoning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dark Passage. Both yep. of those came out in 47. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Deadline USA mm-hmm. and Beat the Devil. Which I do have to admit, I only saw two of those before Before this? Before you That's reached correct. out and my, said, my, like, yeah. I had seen Dead Reckoning and uh, Dark Passage. I Deadline USA and Beat the Devil were. Yeah, yeah I think I had seen, I think I had seen all four. And that was, I think in seeing them, thought to myself, oh, this would be a great, because we were texting. Yeah. Um, and we ran into each other after working on a movie. So I know Nate for years ago. We worked on a short film yeah, together. Yeah, it was. I like I think script like soup. Twenty twelve. Yeah, insane. And we which f- the film never came out, which is really a shame. It's a shame because you were fun. the star. I was. <laughs> and you and you and it was you, a World War II story. And, you know, it was awesome. and I always think of you actually. And it's funny that you do the the classic Hollywood movie. You should know because you do. You are an actor mm-hmm. and a writer, but I knew right. you as an actor many years ago, of course. And you played a World War. You're like a soldier. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you do have a classic Hollywood look. You have like the hair and you like, got the chin yeah, and the I whole thing. I feel like I'm missing out in. If this in was this a visual decade, podcast, you would. Yeah. Everybody listening would be agreeing with this me. Was a vlog. Look this guy up. You'll see him on the video. <laughs> but on it's, his video. it's it's. I mean, it is. It's, I always feel like you know period pieces yeah. and like the the sort of tuxedo 1940s sure, is sure, like sure. my jam. The the modern stuff it fits. right now. I get yeah. I you know who you kind of look oh, like here we go. just for yeah. our listeners, just to put a face. 
and I don't know how you're going to take it's. I mean, it's ha- no handsome, handsome ooh, person, but the, just okay. and maybe it's your eyes. I get a lot of these. Did it. <laughs> Robert Walker. I love that one. Oh, Robert great. Walker's a great, great one. Oh, Strangers on a Train. Yeah. Oh, Robert Bru- Bruno uh, Antony and Strangers on a Train. Yeah, the, yeah. The I weird... just rewatched that movie a couple of weeks ago. Till the clouds roll by, where he, it's the yeah. Jerome Kern story, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's it's one of those weird pastiches from then, and he's like the star of the movie and yet i think he was he was feuding with the, with the studio so he's like the 12th listed actor really it's really bizarre like if you look up to the, yeah I oh, love that's those, those that's stories are my one. favorite that's a, that's a like great studio one. system stories where it's basically just like just some and shady, we'll, we'll get like, into a little yeah. bit of that when we talk about bogey but so yeah so i guess dead reckoning okay so dead reckoning okay it comes out early 1947 directed by john cromwell um who made a lot of movies, but is not, you know, an auteur type of person. You remember, of course, this is kind of before auteurism was, you know, a thing that was overly common. But, but point being, he's not even really like a Michael Curtiz or mm-hmm. right or something like that. Right. Or or like, you know. Who, yeah, I'd have to look up. To see you know, he's not are. one of these guys, right? He's not a John Houston. He's not a John Ford. And this yeah. is kind of brings me to my overarching theory about these movies. Because look. Dead Reckoning wasn't unsuccessful, okay? Mm-hmm. But it's forgotten through time, right? When you think yeah. about Bogey, and this is kind of why we do this podcast, right? What are the movies you think about when you think about Bogey, okay? You think about, of course, Casablanca. You think about To Have and Have Not. You think about, what are other ones? Like, what are the ones yeah, you think Treasure about? Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Treasure of the Sierra Madre. African Queen. African Queen, mm-hmm. which he won his Oscar for. Yeah. Yeah. I would argue High Sierra, but that's a lot that's of right that. on the Maybe edge. Mal- I mean, Maltese Falcon. Maltese Falcon, yes. of course. Maltese now, Falcon. here's my thing: these movies, save one, are directed by people who are not directors like Curtiz or John Huston, as film history regards them. And I think that's part of the reason they're forgotten because I think when you look back in film history, the director becomes this important part of it because if you're Delmer Daves, right, who directed dark passage right capable director you know famously genial director which doesn't you know mm-hmm. doesn't mean much you know it's just a throwaway thing but still directed a lot of movies and a lot of good movies but doesn't have that reputation that that yeah. uh, earns a legacy right whereas your john houston's they do now one of these movies is a john houston movie but it's a very specific john houston movies beat the devil <laughs> and we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit now dead reckoning basically um, and Nate, I'll let you jump in here. Sure. But Dead Reckoning basically is a couple soldiers coming back from from the war. Yeah. And Bogey's, I guess, playing young in this. He's just so old he's and always, old looking. He's, he's always. I want to say maybe, and again, maybe this is also because he's Humphrey Bogart and a high profile classic yeah. Hollywood actor. But is just maybe the biggest culprit of like playing younger than he should well not to mention he was just as if four movies he's his wife lauren bacall is just is 20 yeah so much younger like by what is like 20 plus years but two soldiers come home they're on a train they're on their way i think it's to dc to be celebrated they're gonna get uh they're getting the congressional medal yeah his buddy buddy, uh, is a a warrior yeah is yep yep and on the way the buddy basically uh 
like run scared. He yeah, like he freaks he out jumps shit. He doesn't want, right? They get there, get awarded, and yeah. he doesn't really under. And, and we don't know why. And we don't know why. And so the whole it's a good premise. Well, the thing he drops the medal. If you remember, he, he has drops this weird like token that he carries. Yes. Bogart picks up this medal. That's right. like I think it's like a Yale medallion. Yeah, it's like and a, it's got a different name on it. So Bogart's yeah. like, "What the hell is this? This exactly. isn't your name." And, so and his name like is his name is John. yeah. And so basically, yeah. it becomes a classic noir type of scenario where Humphrey Bogart's character goes searching for his friend because he doesn't know what's up, and he finds out basically what prompted this guy to to basically jump ship and run away. But then there's more to it, and he meets a femme fatale potentially, mm-hmm. Elizabeth Scott, I believe. Elizabeth Scott. Elizabeth. Yeah. Thank no, you. No e. No, no e. e. Please, she get right. upset. Okay, Elizabeth. <laughs> and um, I'm looking at a photo uh, Lauren of Lauren right McCall now. knockoff. Elizabeth Yo, and that's Scott. what I was gonna say. We were texting about this. I, we were, me and Nate were texting about this. I was watching Dead Reckoning, which I like. I think it's a great yarn. That's right. what I'll say about Dead Reckoning. I love. I thought. I think it's a great movie. Yeah, I think I. I don't know if I can get to great. But it's very good. It's a very good, you know, if you're like, hey, what were, what were like really entertaining, you know, yeah. other than Casablanca, you know, like okay. you're saying, for, for your show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it would be perfect. Like, yeah. what's a movie that was really good in the 40s? That I don't already know. Yeah, because you can you can talk yeah. about this one with the the weird uh, sort of bookends where he's talking to the priest, and you yes. get the whole the whole story's told in. They flashback. did that a lot. Yeah. They did a lot. Yeah. That was a common yeah. noir thing. It's weird, and we'll get to this as we talk yeah. a little bit more about the plot. But it, the, they're not even really bookends because they get to the other quote unquote bookend, and they're still like oh, there's still twenty minutes left. Yeah, there's yeah, still, he's still like still a lot of movie out. left. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you could talk about it because it's like Morris Karnofsky as uh, Martinelli. Right. Bad guy, yeah. you know, is is one of those actors, group theater actor. He's like a dynamite actor who got blacklisted. So it's like one of the few yeah. movies where you see this guy performing. Yeah. He's he's great. He's and, perfect. And yeah. these four movies, basically 47 to 53, this is that time. And, mm-hmm. we'll, and we'll talk about it more when we get to Dark Passage. Yeah. But this is the blacklist time. And it's, you know, a scary time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And Bogey and Bacall are at the center of it, uh, for, better, for better or worse. And a decision that Bogey makes uh, around this time when Dark Passage is coming out. Um, kind of affects the box office of Dark Passage. Anyway, just kind of with Dead Reckoning. So you think it's great? I do. Out of the four movies that we're talking about, I, it's I your think, favorite. I think there's two out of the four that are great. Right. Two other ones. One's like okay. Sure. And then one, I'm still undecided whether or not I want. I like. Don't tell because I'm, I'm actually <laughs> yeah, curious because I kind of feel. I think you probably could Basically, yeah. I think I yeah. feel basically the same way. What did you think of this movie, Connor? I think it's okay. And granted, oh, shoot. I no, no, no. Okay. hang on, hang on, hang on. Wow. Hang on. No. I want to, I want to. Great, qu- really good. Okay, so that's yeah. a good variety. Yeah. That's a good yeah. variety. Yeah, I want to. I just, I do want to qualify it though because it. Great you know, title. To to your mm-hmm. point, yes, awesome. Uh, but to your point, it's it's a great movie in terms of like, if you're not in the know and you want to watch an old bogey movie that's not Casablanca and whatever. Right. Sure, and it's like, not crap because there's a lot of crap. Sure, Bogart movies. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. good. I think I think it's pretty good. But it's, I think, because I just, you know, am a little more familiar with more of his movies. I'm kind of, and just, and film yeah. noir movies in general, I'm kind of like, yeah, this one's all right. Like, it's just, it just, yeah, in the grand I scheme can, of film okay. noir movies, this is not the first one I would direct somebody towards to be like, oh, yeah, I, what I does agree. A great film noir movie I agree look completely like? with you on that. And, and, and it, it did, there's a, a bit of things, you know. Uh, as you were saying, Dan, that we were texting about the the Lauren Bacall knockoff. Oh yes, is Elizabeth Scott. But it's it it has like a couple elements of the to have and have not with Bogart calling her Mike. Yes, you know, right. Like yeah. Slim and Steve. Yeah. With 
to have and have not. And so it's, there was there was parts of it that I was just like, they're really trying to recapture. Yeah. And we were saying we were texting, and it was like, was she just not available? Was there things about the part that her studio didn't want? Because you remember this, we we mentioned it before. Back then, the studios had a lot of control, yeah. right? So if you had a contract and you know you weren't willing to get penalized, and look, Bacall and Bogey both were many times willing to get penalized, yeah. right? So that was the thing they did. So you would think if Bacall liked the script, maybe she would have you know tried to do it anyway. Uh, but it is interesting that it's basically like this lesser-known actress doing a Bacall impersonation, right. and I feel bad saying that. Obviously, about any actor, you know, performer who's, you know, making decisions and giving sure. a performance. But once again, this is that time period where Bogey and Bacall, right? They make uh, To Have and Have Not, where they meet. They uh, they make The Big Sleep right next. And then um, and then they make Dark Passage. And then what's the one I'm forgetting? Key Largo. Key Largo is, is the last one. The last one right. Robinson, yeah. Which that is another one I think you think of Bogey yeah, that's for. A, right? that's, that's a, definitely that's not a, great, a B-side. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a good movie. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, Dead Reckoning. I think it's definitely worth watching. Um, it feels. I don't want to spoil it. I think you know, yeah. s- seek it out. It's on Amazon. You can watch it. Yeah. Um, I, I recommend it. But I, I do want to talk real quick. It does feel a little, um, big sleep ish in terms of like the way that it wraps itself up and the conclusions that, yeah. that are sort of arrived. It's a little at. messy. Yeah. It's it's very much like you're like okay, well who. Like who killed who and yeah. how's that? And then it's literally in the last like five minutes. It's like Here's all of this yep. and maybe this and like yeah. And it doesn't even give you time to be like, does that track? Like I okay, yeah. like sure. That's true. You know? Now it's not as uh, just abusively insane as the big sleep, no, which no, is famously nobody I, knew the end. I, like even the people who made it didn't yeah. know actually how <laughs> we got to the end of it. I was watching it and I, uh. I got towards the end of it and I was, you know, I was on my computer at the same time and I kind of looked down and then I looked, looked up and it was like resolving itself. And I'm like, wait, what, what, like how, how yeah. do we get here? And I had to like backtrack and rewatch the ending again a little bit. And I was like, it still doesn't really make sense, but okay. okay. Like yeah, exactly. here we are. Um, and I think that's a thing that probably happened more often than you think in movies like this. Like they just, it's really just about the two people that are on screen. Mm-hmm. It's about giving somewhat of a just entertainingly mysterious yarn and just let the rest of it go with God yeah. kind of. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point in terms of how it resolves. But one thing I'll say that's really great about dead reckoning. And this is another kind of noir staple. The pace is great. Yeah, sure. The pace is great. And I always think of dead reckoning. I've seen it a couple times now. I always think of angel heart. Um, from okay. the '80s, which is the Alan um, Alan Parker movie with Mickey Rourke and Robert De Niro and Lisa Bonet, because in that movie, and it's way different, but it's it's a similar thing where a soldier comes back, uh-huh. and Mickey Rourke's a, a private eye, and then there's like this mystery he's chasing of this like other soldier, okay. and it's totally also, also named Johnny. Yeah, also named Johnny. Yeah. It's totally different. It goes crazy places. If you haven't seen, it, if you don't know. I'll check Nate, it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check it out. It's, I mean, you know, yeah, 87. I, the I think, 70s but. and 80s are a bit of a, a sure. an era that I kind of skip. But I, sure. I know I got to dig deeper because that's no, no, like no, the but, director's years. But, but just for uh, those listening, if you know Angel Heart, it's kind of an interesting, like, parallel. And they're not overly similar, like, where you'd be like, oh, it's basically a remake of Dead Reckoning. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just right. saying it's always nice when you see an old movie and you can see, even if it's not as well known, you know, like a Dead Reckoning. 
the effects of film lovers who then make yeah. films and then it you know seeps into the movies they make. It's just sure. interesting. So mm-hmm. with that said, Dark Passage, same year. <laughs> Delmer Dave's, like we said. This one does have Bacall. This one's silly. This is a silly movie, okay? Based on a novel by David Goodis. Very similar, which I was surprised about because the movie is some sort of insane where you think like, okay, maybe they made some like crazy choices. But then almost when you read the book, you're like, you're like I guess this the book is silly enough that they just were like, hey, we're going to roll with this. Basically, movie opens, prisoners escaping uh, off of a... Uh, a truck with a bunch of barrels. He's in yeah, one he's of in the barrels. Barrel. He the, roll- barrel, the barrel reads San Quentin. San just, Quentin. Just to let you know, he's exactly. in the garbage can that reads San Quentin. Well, there, exactly. And we haven't, you haven't mentioned, because this is important, the, gi- the gimmick. Of, well, no, I know. I was, yeah. I was about to. Oh, sorry. So he rolls out of the barrel, mm-hmm. and th- what proceeds is basically the first, I believe, 40 minutes or so of the movie, 30, 40 minutes of the movie, save a few shots. They cheat here and there. Uh, it's first person point of view. So the camera is the eyes of our escaped convict, who is Vincent Perry, who has the voice of Humphrey Bogart. And we see photos of him in newspapers because he's escaped. And it is not Humphrey Bogart. It is not. And it's and, a different uh, actor. You see you see the hands, and those hands don't look like Those are not bogey hands. Those are not Bogart's hands. And so <laughs> he he's hitchhiking, and he runs in. He gets a ride, but the guy's really nosy. And and uh, Vincent Perry, Bogey's character, basically knocks him out, is stealing his clothes when another car pull, pulls up. And it's this beautiful woman who just happened to know he'd be there. And it's Lauren Bacall. And she he gets in her car apprehensive. And what we learn is that her character, Irene, I believe her name is. Mm-hmm had been following his trial um he insists he was wrongfully convicted she sympathized with him because there's this other character madge yeah the, the who neighbor? who's uh who's morehead agnes morehead, agnes morehead right yeah. great actress yeah and she's convinced that you know she's basically kind of like infatuated with him basically and wants to help him and Heard on the radio that he escaped and like took that was, t- took that road, near San guessing yeah, that he'd be just... there. And he <laughs> gives her a ride, and they go back to her place. He's also convicted of murdering, murdering his his wife, his wife right? right. And, and he's a he's it's falsely convicted, I should say, and he's out to basically yeah. So then the rest of the innocence. movie, right, with but Bacall's that makes help. it that makes it weirder is that like she wants to but, take this person in, and it's like there's that weird little thing that you're not even mentioning. Yes. Yeah, Bogart in in the scene where he finally goes to her apartment, like she brings him to his place, and he finds the scrapbook. Do you remember the scrapbook? Yes, <laughs> with the article about her father. Yes, and that her father was falsely accused of murdering her mother. So there's this weird parallel where yeah, like she Vincent feels this like need to help like him. The, it's like a daddy. It's it's it's, a, it's, so, a, it's we'll just uh, say it is a poorly drawn female character. It's just <laughs> and Bacall's great. She's a great movie star. I I don't think she's if she ever gets enough credit she had a weird career right mm-hmm. if you follow her career she kind of you know she's in a couple great movies right she's in how to marry a millionaire with uh, marilyn monroe directed by jean uh, nigalesco which I'm, I'm sure i'm mispronouncing that name but mm-hmm. that movie's pretty good there's actually a funny 
dig at bogey that Bacall makes in that movie. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah, and if I can find it, I'll put it right here. Not only is Mr. Hanley a perfect doll, but he's absolutely unaffiliated. You don't think he's a little old? Oh, grow up, will you? Men with that much dough are never a little old. With Bacall, after her... I mean, her first movie was to have and have not, which is literally like, if you were like... What does a star-making performance look like? You would right. you would show someone to have and have not. Yeah, the scene of just her lifting her face. Right. Yeah. Well, you know how to. Yeah. What is it? You know how to whistle, don't yeah. you? Well, right. right. Yeah. That's uh. that's like the thing that people remember people remember from it. Um, and I don't think she ever really achieved the stratospheric stardom that debut debut would suggest. And maybe it was because she was like you know, combative with the studios and a little yeah. political, right? I mean, there might be some of that. Anyway, she's a great performer is the point. And she does a lot with this role that is just a disaster. And so it's interesting. The studio wasn't happy because the first 30, 35 minutes, you don't see their, the movie star's face. Well, it's, yeah, it's arguably bogey. the biggest star of the 40s. Yeah. And then basically he's running around. He's, he's beginning to think about finding out who really killed his wife all those years ago. And and tell me if I miss something here. Okay. He runs into a cabbie. Yeah, he, he just randomly gets, gets into a cab. A cab. Mm-hmm. The cab no, cabbie knows who he is because he's in the news. And he knows he needs to change his face. And the cabbie happens, right? This is yeah, right, right? Yeah. Happens to know a disgraced doctor, like, yep. across town, <laughs> set in San Francisco. They filmed in San Francisco, which was rare yeah. back then, which yeah. is, that was like a, a budgetary approval scenario. Takes him to the disgraced doctor, and he gets his face changed. And when he gets his face changed, he, he looks Bogart. like Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> and what's so great is they, the guy like makes jokes about it. He's like, if I wanted to, I could turn you into a bulldog. And then he's like, well, you're going to look older, about 10 years older. And what's so weird is if you watch the movie, the dude who's like supposed to be the real Vincent Perry initially – Looks old. Yeah, he does. Like yeah. he just looks like both. I feel like age. he's saying that just to set up the the romantic, you know, inkling between Bacall and Bogart, just to sort of get rid of the fact that he's I got guess 30 so. Years on her, right. Yeah, that's know, a very like, oh, good it's the surgery. Point. He's like, oh, he yeah. just I just yeah, look older. The same darling. age. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you know, and then after that, it becomes a little bit more standard. There's. There's a couple other just brutal coincidences, like with the just is it the guy who drives the car, and yeah, gets punched in the. He's like beginning. a con artist, and it just, it's a it's lot of it's too much. I did you you liked it? The gimmick in the beat, the first half drives me a little crazy, but the second half, too. if you don't know the movie, it will at least keep you involved and entertained. That's what I was gonna say. Is like yeah. I I watched the first half of the movie with like more of i was just more technically impressed like the quint they make the coincidences because they need to make them happen because they're literally putting themselves in a box right and right. with the way that they're shooting it. and it and was so they, at the time it was innovative innovative it had only been done a couple times before yeah that's kind of lesser doses yeah so. that's kind of what i'm saying so there's the gimmick to it to me while i think is uh a big detractor for the movie overall and just telling your story like you just don't need it right um from a technical standpoint, I the first time I saw this movie, I was impressed. I was like, "Oh, they're wow! That's I mean, they're doing it. They're that's trying stuff, cool. yeah, yeah." And it doesn't really work, no, uh, at all. And the movie, like you said, is insane. Uh, but I do, and think- it does cheat. Like they'll they'll they have exposition shots, and it just it's a little messy. And then yeah, by the time you get to the end, it's just very. And also, it's one of those movies from a mystery standpoint. And this is always a thing that's important to acknowledge when you talk about writing. There are not enough characters that are introduced to make the mystery mysterious. Yeah. Like, once you're in it, 
you kind of know who it has to be because unless you're literally going to introduce someone you do not know about, which would be just as, like, you know, aggravating. Right. You're like, okay, it has to be one of these two people, yeah. right? It can't be this person. So, Well, because then if you, do, if you do what you're talking about, you're in a big sleep scenario. No, or exactly. somebody shows up in the third act and it's like, I did it. And you're like, and you are? <laughs> like, <laughs> or like, or like famous in a way, kind of worse movie, even though there's a lot of great formal scenes, the Black Dahlia does that. Oh, famously, God. Where, have you seen Brian De Palma's Black Dahlia? I have Nate? not seen so, Brian De Palma's So there's a lot of beautiful shots in it. De Palma, great filmmaker. And I will defend uh, Josh Hartnett, who's given his bogey performance in that movie, Till the okay. Day I Die. But, you have a lot of bad performances surrounding him, and at the end, it's just like exact. It is kind of like Big Sleep. Big Big Sleep is, and it's for better or worse, a great movie despite mm-hmm. its ending. Black Dolly is not. Um, but yeah, you I'm run gonna, into that thing where it just becomes like, what's going on right now? Yeah, the only <sighs> thing that's really, and I'm going to spoil Black Dahlia sure. for everybody. But Go ahead. Fiona Shaw shows up in the third act as part of the, you know, the reveal of the whodunit. And she does give like an insanely camp. Amazing movie. actress. Fiona. Shaw. It's a, it's a, it's the only worthwhile thing in the movie. Like it's, <laughs> that's not true. There's a I mean, million maybe the, beautiful okay, maybe shots not, maybe in not it. the only Stop thing. Stop it. Is Hartnett perf- doing a bogey? Stop it. Hartnett's doing bogey? Listen, I love Hartnett. 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 Yeah, exactly. Listen to the episode. Anyway. Right. Enough about the Black Dahlia. Yeah. Dark Passage. Yeah. It just gets really silly. It's probably my least favorite of the four. Okay. I think. I would agree. I would agree. But entertaining, like we're saying, yeah. I think it's short, right? Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, nothing, nothing crazy in terms of runtime. You're getting your bogey. You're getting your book call. So there's things to latch on to. There are good supporting performances. Like we said, Agnes Moorhead. I do love the cabbie. I the love cabbie's Tom, great. Uh, the D'Andrea? Tom D'Andrea's great. And yeah, I mean, worthwhile, but of the four, you know, maybe well, My thing with us. what I really enjoyed about it is is with all the stuff that, you know, it wraps up. And again, there are like five characters. So right. it's, it's like an Agatha Christie. Like one of these is the is the guy. Yeah. Um, But once all the shit hits the fan and, you know, the climax happens, I was sitting there watching it the first time going, what in the hell? How are they going to wrap this up? This is a 1940s movie. Like somehow they're going to figure out how to prove that Vincent didn't kill his wife. Sure. And it went in a direction that I was not sort of prepared for. True. And it is how the book ends. Same ending. Interesting. We won't give it away. <laughs> I was surprised. I Aren't you surprised, Nate, by that? I am. Cause I when, am. Cause I would have thought that was the most surprising yeah. thing. When I watched the movie, when I rewatched the movie, I was like, oh, yeah, it ends like this. Like, very, it feels like, you know, and this, this might kind of give it away, but it not really. It feels like a studio note, right? Where they're yeah. like, well, we got to at least do this. Mm-hmm. And then when you read the book, you're like, oh, no, that was how it was. That was how the book's <laughs> written. And like, there's a lot of that. Weird. Weird movie. The next one is my favorite one of the four. Deadline? Deadline USA. I, I, I would agree, I agree with you. Deadline yeah, Deadline was, was... Super underrated movie. It's, yeah. It's great. I I hadn't heard of it, and it, it caught me yeah. completely off guard yeah, how right. much I loved it. Now, right. Richard Brooks. Interesting Who, guy. A friend of Humphrey Bogart's. Yes. Uh, when Bogart you know, started getting into acting... It was the beginning of that. the end of Bogie's career, and the very beginning of Richard Brooks's career. Yeah. Right? So he was young, and Richard Brooks is really interesting. Now, just to bring me back to my overarching theory. Richard Brooks made movies into the 80s. Good director. Sweet Bird of Youth. 
Lord Jim in Cold Blood, this weird movie called Dollars with Warren Beatty, young Warren Beatty, and Goldie Hawn, Bite the Bullet, a movie I love, Looking for Mr. Goodbar with Diane Keaton and a bunch of young male actors that we actually talked about on the Richard Gere podcast I did with my lovely mother last year. It's her birthday today. It's her birthday today as we're recording Aww. April April 5th. So happy birthday, happy Mom. Happy birthday, Dan's Mom. Uh, happy birthday, Mom. Um, anyway, point is, great director in a lot of respects, but not regarded as one of these, you know, auteur directors. Yeah. So you don't get to a movie like Deadline USA because it's not like, oh, John Huston, man, that guy's a master. He, what are the other movies he did, right, that nobody saw where you go back when you have the Criterion set and you're like, Oh, you know that you know that one, you know, beat the devil, which we'll talk about, which I really think is kind of a kind of actually not forgotten. That's why we're talking about it. You don't get to there. So, you know, three people like us who, who you think maybe would know Deadline USA, it's like sitting there in Amazon Prime, and you're like, oh, this movie's basically a really great journalism movie. Yeah, made it in reminded 51. me a lot of only, and uh, this came after, but only because I saw it before. But uh, it reminded me a lot of the paper. Yeah, it's similar. Uh, yeah, Papers yeah, obviously yeah, has a yeah. lighter touch, but Deadline it's, USA is, yeah, it's similar. It's like it takes place in 48 hours in the last days of this dying newspaper that's about to get bought out. And essentially, it's happening at the same time that this gangster named Rienzi is essentially in the process of, and correct me if I'm wrong, is he in the process of like buying an election? Yeah, it's yeah, basically right. like he's under a investigation. Election, I believe. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, he's like under investigation, and he's pulling strings whilst it's happening. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there is a, a murdered woman who nobody knows who she is at the beginning of the movie. It's sort of it's this great uh, hodgepodge of things that comes together where like all these little stories pop up. It's a lot of uh, bogey, kind of wheeling and dealing, and running around and trying to both like save this paper and investigate this mobster and try and get his ex-wife back who's played by kim hunter who i think is really great in this movie she's only in like three scenes i love kim she's hunter. i mean she's she's more known like in the theater world yeah she, she you know had like a, a brief movie stardom flourish moment, but like she went back to the theater because I, I think she didn't no she's great you're she right didn't dig it um and it's I even think, especially given the kind of like roles that pop up for women at the time with a movie like this, uh, I think it's a pretty great role because of like the choices that her character winds up making aren't the choices that you think she would make in a movie that's you know starring Humphrey Bogart yeah. and made in a time like this. Uh, I won't fully spoil any of that, but it's, yeah, no, it's, it's, worth... it's just it's. The scene where where he goes to her apartment, great, and it's it, amazing. It blew my mind. Yeah, first of all, the two different. I mean, she's a method actor. She's like an actor's studio kind of like, you know, in the same school as like a Brando or a Jimmy Dean or even like a Montgomery Clift. And and Bogart is not that at all. So Jimmy scene, Dean, the Sausage King, the Sausage yeah, King, okay, exactly. Yeah, yeah the, the the Weenie King, the yeah. Texas Weenie King from Palm Beach Story. Exactly. Yeah. Ooh, nice, nice um, callback. Um, yeah, um, but. It's 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 almost seeing like the old guard passing it off to a totally. new guard, and you also have Ethel Barrymore in this movie, yeah. which is Love. just like oh, she man. is and just a grand dame of movies, and like just ah. There's that great exchange right at the end with Ethel Barrymore where uh, they've just had a really long, sort of sobering conversation. She and Humphrey Bogart, and uh, and at the end of it all, he just looks at her. He goes. Will you marry me? <laughs> You're too old. <laughs> and it's just nice. It's, it's like so such good. a it's fucking so good. 
yeah. killer moment. And I, uh, and, yeah. and the move, the movie, there's a lot of that. In this yeah. Movie. And it just, yeah. it, it like pops up, like it's fiery and it just moves. It's a little bit like a, you know, like an early day, like Aaron Sorkin walk and talk kind of yeah. script. Like it just, well, and it is one of those movies. I, I, I sometimes resist this kind of description, but it does feel like it's directed by young filmmaker full of fire right and it's and he's surrounded by these professionals who are a bit older where you know you have you know bogey's old right yeah. you know in terms of his life he's not going to be around much longer right like you said ethel barrymore screen legend right you have this yeah. you know kim hunter accomplished theater actress right there's like a murderer's row of, of people in it you have ed begley uh who is basically bogey second in the movie and um I mean, is there anything specifically that caught your eye while watching? Because this is your first time watching it too. Was my, yeah, yeah, first time watching it. Um, honestly, what made this movie for me was that that scene with with uh, Kim Hunter at night when Bogey's drunk, and then the scene with uh, Ethel Barrymore when you know, sort of the right. dust has settled and uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That that scene with Kim Hunter struck me mostly because it's so basically just to put it in context. Uh, the pay- It has just been revealed that the paper is essentially getting bought out. There's not too much that they can do to it. So we're kind of moving into these people sort of doing their jobs and writing out their stories and finishing their work just for the sake of the paper and just for the sake of doing it. And then it, it ultimately evolves into maybe this can save the paper. And, you know, you find out whether it does or it doesn't. Um, and... In the midst of, uh, you know, after just a huge bender, you know, where they basically hold a, a funeral for the paper, yeah. which is a really the nice, Irish uh, wake. yeah, really nice scene. Um, Bogey's drunk and he goes to uh, to an apartment and you don't know who this person is. That's like the other great thing about it. It's yeah, just it's her intri- first. It's her first appearance. In yeah. The movie. And yeah. you and you go and Kim Hunter's there and you're just like, OK, is this is his lady or whatever. And he goes basically just to crash there. And over the course of their conversation, you realize that she's his ex-wife and they just it's they have this it's like a very adult conversation yeah it's mm-hmm. you it, know which feels like a conversation that two people could have yeah have, and it's you know? that's kind of what i was saying with like her role on paper i think would read as like you know maybe not that great but it really does it's like surprising i don't want to say progressive's not the right word but it just is it's meaty and it's good and it feels real well and i think it's also of the four movies we're talking about and when you think about his career one of Bogart's best performances. Yeah, I would agree. Because that was one thing with Dark Passage that was tough for me, and partly me because I was thumbing through the book. Yeah, In the book, the character in Dark Passage is softer. And in the movie, there's this sense that he's meant to be softer. Like he, you know, it's almost like a Richard Kimball thing, right? Like I didn't kill my wife. But like Bogey's not soft on screen. He's like a hard lived guy like we said he's always playing older even when he was younger right even in you know uh angels with dirty faces he's young you know and he's old he looks older right he He always played older so that's part of it where sometimes i think he just was miscast like even bringing it back to dead reckoning good performance but he's the soldier and he's like feels like he's ancient and it doesn't really this one it feels perfect he's tired He's a newspaper man. Yep, he He's doesn't f- get much sleep. Doesn't get oh, much yeah, sne- yeah. Drinks sleep. Drinks too much. Drinks way too much. It feels right. That was so refreshing. Because I do think, and Nate, I'll throw it to you to this, just bring it to Bogey specifically. Mm-hmm. When you think about him as an actor, you know, he's obviously one of our great movie stars. Is he a an actor with a lot of range in your mind as someone who's in the field? No. Yeah. 
No, okay. and 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 you can watch. Um, I'm a, a firm believer in still buying DVDs, just to throw that out there. Yeah, you love can that, find love them on that. Amazon for very cheap and get like you physical know, media six yeah. movies for like fifteen bucks, which is cheaper than like you know Amazon Prime or whatever. Right, your iTunes um, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like you can watch these Warner Brothers collections and see how they used Bogart because they had no idea what to do with him. Right, you know, he sort of exploded onto the scene with Petrified Forest. Right, where he's the uh, John Dillinger knockoff. So then he's in all these gangster movies, but then they try him. He's in like a Western with Jimmy Cagney, which it makes almost no sense. (laughs) He's in Dark Victory, which is one of my personal favorite Betty Davis movies. Really interesting movie. As this Irish horse trainer. And every time he speaks in this movie, I was just laughing because I was like, this doesn't work. Something about the way you ride that puts my heart in my mouth. Do you mind if I say something to you, Miss Judith? Of course not. I asked you to talk, didn't I? Well, I think you've been going too hard lately, night and day. You can't do that and keep on with your jumping horses. It's terrible hard on you. I was hoping that maybe in the state of mind you were in, you wouldn't ride tonight. A silver cup isn't worth it. It's so bad. It's it's like it's it's like a Lucky Charms accent, and and <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work at all. And yeah, they just they they didn't. Once he found like the weary Rick Blaine Casablanca. If he stretched, it was something like Sierra Madre, where he's the weary sort of used up. Or even African Queen, or he's, African he's, Queen, you know, yeah. you know exactly. Yeah. He's playing. He's just pushing it further. Yeah, it's the same sort of guy, but just in a different setting. It always reminds me of when Harrison Ford or the those others who made Indiana Jones would talk about Indiana Jones. If you watch Raiders, he, you know, Indiana Jones is already worn down. Yeah. And that's why the character works so well, right? And why he plays it so well. And why I think they had the impetus to make a fourth movie because he was already worn in, you know, in 80, whatever, right? So, whereas with Han Solo, he plays into the weariness later on in his career. But that brief glimmer of kind of con artist uh, Harrison Ford, it goes, it goes quick, right? And then the weary, the weary swagger of Indy. Goes into John Book and Witness, you know, it goes into Rusty Kovich in, in, yeah, in where Presumed he, Innocent. And, line, goes into yeah. Sabrina, where he's playing the Linus Larrabee role, which is the bogey role. And Kimball my, and the fugitive. And, and my hot take is, uh, I know we're not, Sabrina's not one of our movies, but I like the remake more than the original Sabrina. Jacques. I know. I, disagree. That, I, disagree. I know. Everybody I disagrees. Disagree. I hate, I hate it. But I will, I'll say this. I, will. I think that's a, I struggle with bogey in that movie. The, uh, it, if you could take out the tennis court scene in that movie, I think people would be a lot more comfortable with the Billy Wilder one because that is a creepy ass scene yeah, yeah. when he does the let's keep it in the family and just like kisses her Very creepy scene. inappropriately. The, and also it's hard for me too because you know, you know, we know now that he hated being on that set yeah. and he was jealous of Holden because Holden had a kind of a thing with Audrey Hepburn. Yeah, they were together. Not they kind were, of a thing. They were was, together. And yeah. Bogey like, wasn't getting invited to lunch. Literally, like yeah, Bogey it was, was not it was getting, wild like, They were literally walking yeah. off set and Bogey was like, hey, and like Bogey's old, yeah. He didn't like Wilder, I don't think. Yeah, no. It just was a bad set. That kind of maybe informs my opinion of the movie. I'll be honest, but I think I think the Pollock one is underrated. Can I? That John Williams score is beautiful. Greg Kinnear, awesome. I will in back the you up a little Julie bit. Armand. I like. I generally like the Wilder version more. Mm-hmm. I think it's mostly a better movie. Sure. Um, I think. The the one success that the remake has over the original is that 
in the original, it just doesn't really make sense why she goes with Bogey over like very handsome William Holden. Well, that's another and, problem I have with and, the movie. And, yeah. and, and at least the Pollock version is smart enough to at least make your Bogart Harrison Ford, where, yeah, he's older than Kinnear, but he's Harrison Ford. He's very handsome. And it's and, it, and also it, Kinnear it feels helps. like competition. Kin- Kinnear helps because he plays it aloof. Yeah. And Holden, I that's another thing. I Holden like doesn't play it aloof enough. I love Holden in the movie. He's a charming guy, and it's a great performance. But I think when you think, when you think about the mechanics within – He's not different enough from Bogey mm-hmm. that the dichotomy works, and I think in the remake it works better. But I digress. yeah, my I mean my my take on that, my one thing in besides the tennis court bit is that it's Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. So when she leaves in the beginning, when she comes back and William Holden doesn't recognize her, doesn't know who she is, it's like she looks very similar to like when she left there, pal. Um, what's going on? So I'm Holden's just like, you're like, either a Sabrina? dope or, yeah, it's like, you live at my house? Well, it's like, you were in the uh, tree all those years? It's like the OG version of like the she's all that, like the, she takes yeah, her she glasses, takes the glasses off. Yeah, she glasses off. They're like, you're pretty. beautiful. Yeah. 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 It's like, let me do your, ma- you're you know, beautiful. it's funny. Uh, not to go just deep into other territory, but Funny Face does the same exact thing, where it like tries <laughs> to pretend that like Audrey Hepburn isn't just one of the most gorgeous people yeah. that's ever yeah. been on the face yeah. of the planet. And it anyway, what I'm yeah, I, that's a problematic yeah. t- movie too. Yeah, I'm talk about that with Fred Astaire as the beatnik. <laughs> uh, oh, jeez, oh, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> it would so bringing it back to Deadline. Yeah, it's interesting what you know. So it's a good bogey performance. Oh, we talked about Kim Hunter. Great ensemble. Obviously, great newspaper movie. Seek it out. He's it is, the, it's my favorite of the four as well. I yeah. Think. He's yeah. the managing editor, I believe. And it gave me a little bit of nostalgia because when I was in college, I was the managing editor of my – one of the managing editors of my school newspaper. And, you know, not no comparison at all. But it's always nice. I love I love newspaper movies. I love the paper. I love Spotlight. Love all the president's men, right? Mm-hmm. And this, to me, is right in that echelon. It's very snappy. The post I like as well. It's very snappy, interesting, engaging, political, right? It has a lot to say. You, I, you feel like you're watching smart people say smart things. Oddly timely. Like yeah, weird, oddly like, timely. Um... Yeah, of course. Um, and actually, you just reminded me. One thing I wanted to say about, speaking of timely, in terms of Dark Passage, which we kind of hinted at at the beginning of the podcast, the movie was positioned in a very prime spot in the year because it was another Bogart Bacall movie and a hot book property, what have you. It underperformed because Bogart Bacall. Now, help me make sure I get this right. Mm-hmm. People are getting blacklisted. Bogart Bacall are defending them. And then what happens? It's Bogie's threatened, right? By the so, studio. Yeah, he gets, he gets threatened. He goes, there's, um, I believe. 16 to 20 prominent Hollywood people. It's actually led by John Houston, though. Bogey and Bacall are the like two at the most start, prominent like the faces. faces of it. Sure. It's like the Committee for the First Amendment who and they like write a letter up. or something. Yeah, they yeah. show up in DC and they they protest the House on American Activities, right? Committee, and then the studios basically tells Bogart, like, you hey, you're take that eight, back. Yeah, yeah, you can't do that right now, or we're gonna kind of like shut you down and. Yeah. And so Boogie basically reneges, right? He almost like apologizes for this letter, for this kind of protesting act. 
and in the process loses a lot of friends yeah. in Hollywood. And so the movie kind of has this fuzzy release where it's like, oh, bogey, you know, maybe it helps, I guess, in the wider aggregate in in the studio's mind. But I, I don't think that was the case, right? I think when you look at it, it, it hurt. So that's just an interesting time. And bogey, unfortunately as history is kind of established was a little wishy-washy with that stuff. I think, you know, being with Bacall, who is a little bit more political and a little bit more consistent helped him. But I think ultimately when pressed up against pressed up against it, he wasn't always standing his ground like your Kirk Douglases, who ultimately kind of did a lot for specific people and, and these blacklisted people in general uh, during that kind of really kind of weird, scary time, which is, and nothing like that's happening at all right now, and everything's oh, fine. It's no. good to know that everything's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're fixed. Yeah. yeah, everything's fixed. So last movie, as weird as Dark Passage is, this has to be the weirdest one. This was bizarre. Right? Well, I think Beat the Devil, so weird. Yeah. The way they even made it is so yeah. weird. John Huston, so breaks the mold of the theory, as I've been hinting, but is so weirdly made. Basically, completely outside of the studio system. Yeah. It's made by Santana, which was uh, Humphrey Bogart's like independent film production. Bogey company. lost so much money in this movie that he hated it, and he would and he said so in interviews, which is crazy because he paid for it, right? And it yeah. it so clearly feels like they could have done whatever they wanted because no one was there. They were in Ravello in off the Amalfi Coast, just I, filming. I was also just shocked at like how just poor a lot of the movie looked yeah um but i did find out in a little bit of research uh that the reason the movie at least when we watch it now looks the way it does is because the copyright lapsed and so there's for, like four versions on prime alone, that are alone. all bad exports but, right like, and yeah. it was that's kind of exactly what it was so the copyright lapsed and then for a minute just everybody was like no i'm gonna rip this and so like what we have on like streaming services and stuff like that are like copies of copies of VHS yeah it does not look of, great you know so it just it doesn't look great it whereas like your dead great. reckoning or your dark passage if you're to rent them or yeah. stream them they they're clean yeah. Right. You know, yeah. clean exports, clean, yeah. clean, you know, uh, versions. Yeah. Even like Deadline, like I watched on YouTube and that looked better than Beat right. the Devil. Right. Yeah. Um, so Criterion or Kino Lorber, if anybody's listening, you know, get on I, that. I'll get tell you on something. That Beat the Devil. Please. I'll tell you something. Shocked. I was shocked there wasn't like some definitive copy because so Beat the Devil, just as as weird as the production was, it is a John Houston movie. It's a Truman Capote script. Yeah. It's Humphrey Bogart. It's Jennifer Jones. Now, can I ask you, actually, this reminds me. I looked up the movies that Laurie and Bogart made together. And there's one they made that I honestly didn't even know existed. And I was wondering if you even Which knew one? about it. Passage to Marseille. Uh, it's, it's, I have it on DVD. Have you seen it? Yeah. What do you think about it? I, it's, remind me, where does that fall? It's that like right after Casablanca. So that's the one with Peter Laurie and Sidney Greenstreet. It's like they're, re, they're almost like trying to redo yeah it's Casablanca. literally like it's they the finished Casablanca thing. and they're like hey do you just want to like uh... yeah we got it because his because Bogart's character's name is Rick as well and I was just like this is a this is a big letdown well wow. Maltese Falcon is kind of like that too yeah but this this one it was like I mean they named the character Rick wait and I'm just, I, Rick it might Rick, be wait Rick. that that one might be different because his name I think is Gene in this so let's uh, see then is that across the Pacific where he's that right? might be across the Pacific Ooh, that movie is bad Across the Pacific doesn't make any sense because it all happens at the, at the. Is that the one at the? Um, it's on a boat and it's. 
uh, they're going to the Panama Canal. Yeah, and, and it's that's the across the Pacific. And they, so never, they never get to the Pacific. No, it's, <laughs> and it's that movie. It, it's oh, yeah. racist. It's it's bad. It's so bad that's, movie. I think, the one that, that, Nate, you're thinking of. And okay. then this one is right around that time. It, but it's also Green, Green Street, and it's also Laurie. And it's just an interesting, I just, it, it, it was just weird because I was I just never heard of this movie before, Passage to Marseille. I'm reading here. Um, it's basically a oh, movie. Oh, I remember this one because he shoots he shoots a, a a guy who's like trying to surrender. Yes. Yeah, that's that. And then the they big... join the Allied. They like join yeah. the Allied forces. Yeah. I think they're like escaping, and then they they're join escaping the... Devil's Island. It just seems yeah. like a curio, is my point. And like the Peter Lorre, <laughs> it's just such a weird thing where it's like Peter Lorre and Humphrey Bogart are in the Maltese Falcon and Casablanca together. And then the other three movies are like a Casablanca ripoff, this movie, Passage to Marseille, and this indie movie they made in Ravello in like 1952, where Peter Lorre looks so out to lunch. He is so old. He's like, he's delivering and his lines. The running joke four is years that he's younger than Bogart. It's crazy. And the running joke in the movie is that he has an Irish last name. Like, you yeah, yeah. can't get over it. Well, it's no, like, it's a because no, no, no. He's got another last name, right? And he's using the Irish last name, yeah, yeah, yeah. as like a cover, as a, yeah. As a cover. But it's just like Bogey can't get over how stupid it is because he doesn't look. It's just this movie. So it's like a spoof movie, yeah. Right. Once I, when I started credit. watching, it, I didn't know it was a spoof. Yeah, no, when I started watching it, yeah. and I, I got yeah. caught off guard, and I looked it up. I'm like, oh, they're making fun of these movies. Yeah, it gets credit now in in the way it's known in this kind of like you know. Anybody can watch it. There's a million bad copies of it. You know, a wonderful life way, right? Like yeah. the 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 rights lapsed and what have you. It gets credit as being like one of the first spoof movies. And you have Truman Capote, who's this very clever writer, what have you. And they're like in Italy just writing the pages the night before, right? That's basically what they're doing. And they're having fun. It's basically like the Maltese Falcon, where it's just a bunch of people, you know, talking about these potential things and nothing's really real. And it's, you know, they're all kind of devious people. And, you know, bogey's gal is talking to the other guy's gal and bogey's talking to his gal and it, they're all double crossing. And I guess it's, I don't, I didn't really, I don't really like this movie. I'll be I, honest. I, I, I watched it the second time. You liked it more, right? Connor? I, well, okay. I, I liked it more only because I, I'm with you, Nate. Like I didn't know. Like, so I had seen this movie before. Yeah. I like saw it on Amazon yeah. and was just, you know, like, oh, little, little bogey movie. I'll watch it. And I didn't know that it was supposed to be a comedy. Right. And so I was like, this movie's weird and bad. Right. <laughs> and then and then I and that actually wasn't that long ago. That was like maybe six months ago. Yeah. And I started reading about it when we decided we were going to do this. And I was like, oh, that was a, supposed to be a comedy. And I rewatched it with that in mind. And I was like, yeah, no, I get it. Like, I, I kind of liked it. I, uh, it's still, there's a lot that still doesn't necessarily click, but I think there's stuff in it that's funny. And I think, uh, I think there's a lot of stuff that works and even I, you know, I, I was watching it with my girlfriend and there were just things that Jennifer Jones was doing and she was like, this doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, well, that's a, she's that's a, a Jennifer Jones, strange actress. Yes. 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 Without sure. David L. Selznick, she, I don't think she would have had a career. You know? Love is a many splendor thing. With her and I believe it's William Holden. Yes. They hated each other so much. It's like a moonlighting scenario. Like they literally were like at each other's throats. And to watch that movie is to really watch a masterclass in like, hey, action. And they're like, yeah. let's do this thing. I tried watching Song of Bernadette once and I didn't get through it. And I just, I mean, I, I can't. The, the, the Catholic 
oriented movies, like a nun story. I'm just like, I'm like, I'm going whatever. Yeah, she she's an interesting actress. I think she's, I'll say this. I think she's fun in uh, beat the devil. And I do think, look, I do think the movie's fun as a curio. And I do think I still like it more than dark passage. And I think what's fascinating about a movie like beat the devil and this in general, these types of movies are so interesting to me is you get a movie where John Huston and his pals made the movie they wanted to make. And that's always interesting because it's like, oh, that's what you did, huh? Like, yeah. you basically were like, oh, let's do a fuck you to our other movies. That'll be fun. It's like and when then she's it, 12. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually, honestly, a very uh, cogent point. Yeah. It is kind of like that. It's literally like, yeah, Soderbergh basically making a movie being like, let's just you know, like make fun of Ocean's Eleven and then put it out. And everybody's like, this sucks. And then 12 years later, you're like, this is the best one. Right. I don't know that beat I don't know that beat the devil really gets there in terms of that. I mean, obviously I don't think that, but Capote has some interesting stories. If you look it up, he has some interesting stories of writing and being on set to some degree. Bogart got his teeth knocked out. There was right? a car accident. Yeah, there was a car accident uh while filming. And I don't know I wasn't clear and, and what I was researching, I wasn't clear on when. It seemed like it happened later. Because mm-hmm. it seemed like they didn't have a lot of the movie left to shoot. But uh Bogey got in a car accident and got his teeth knocked out. And um and I have not been able to confirm this, but I thought it was a kind of a cool little interesting story. Uh they got somebody, a young British actor, to uh who could do a bogey impersonation to dub over lines that Bogey couldn't speak properly. And supposedly that young British actor was an up and coming Peter Sellers, which, uh, you know, I was waiting for you to be like, was Daniel Craig. Yeah. <laughs> was Michael Caine. Was, was Michael Caine. He's a blood bloody dog. We've got to beat the devil. Um, that would be great. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely worth watching and you can watch it. Like we said, anywhere though, the quality will be subpar. I mean, Nate, where do you fall? Where do you fall and beat the devil? This is one I'd like to watch. I watched it once. Right. So I haven't seen it again. This is this is one of the two, Deadline and Beat the Devil, I hadn't seen when right. they gave me the list of the four movies. And it was probably about 25 minutes into it where I paused it and I was like, what the what the hell is going on with this movie? And, <laughs> and, I, and, and I looked. And to your credit, the first 25 minutes is literally stuff like, hey, we're in this town. We're criminals. Bogey's like, I don't know about this. Well, and, and, and then, then they he just, has this palace and all this yeah, stuff. And, and, and then like, they just have the these, hell? they have these literally like, other conversations that have nothing, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, hey, what about all that gold? Well, and that, the, uh, what is the Africa? Yeah, yeah I mean, real quick, yeah. the, the basic Ugh. the basic plot in, in so much as there is one in this movie is there are a bunch of criminals. Uh, it's it's Peter Lorre. Yeah, Bogey's brought them together, but he's worried about it because they're all criminals. Yeah, it's Peter Lorre. It's Robert Morley. Um, it's Ivor Barnard. Yeah, do we, do we yeah, he's he's yeah. Major Jack Ross, yeah. classic, um, great character actually. I, I loved that guy. Yeah, he was movie. funny. He was, he was and, funny. And yes, he me. was. Yeah, and he basically they're they're working with Humphrey Bogart to essentially get passage to Africa so that they can mine uranium. Right? Yes, in, in Africa, that's Thank like you. the whole thing, right? It's a very Maltese Falcony type plot. Uh, and, and you kind of know we're never going to get to the uranium, right? right? Ba, yeah. ba, ba. So then uh, basically they stumble across uh, Edward Underdown and Jennifer Jones, or Jennifer Jones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Jennifer, Jennifer Jones. Jones. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 
Uh, I almost I thought not I said, to be confused with Jessica. Jones. No, that's what right. I thought I said yeah. for a second. I'm like, that's not a real person. Uh, no, but they stumble across uh, Edward Underdown and Jennifer Jones, who they, of course has superhuman strength. Right, of and Jennifer course, Jones, indeed. Yeah. Uh, and they are <laughs> they're a young, well, youngish uh, British couple, the Chelms. Uh, the Chelms. With, what a name! Great name. Great name. Um, Capote. Yeah. yeah, Capote. And basically, they're you know. Jennifer Jones starts falling for Humphrey Bogart, uh, and his wife, who's uh, Gina Lola Brigida. Yeah, thank you. Who's great. Yeah, and she's like one of those sex pots from the fifties. Yeah, she's yeah. like almost one of the. This might be one of the early ones that she did that was like an American release. Yeah, I think so. And she has that great. She has that great bit where like Bogey's not even listening to her. She's like going on and on. She's like, "You're not even listening." It's, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's some it's good. Funny. All right, there's some. I, so basically, I got, yeah. I got some love for Gina Lola Brigida because uh, I read somewhere that Sinatra, like he, she's in Never So Few, which okay. is a random right. Rat Pack movie with Steve McQueen. Gina Lola Brigida's in it. He tried to like get an affair going with her and she turned him down cold good for like said it's not true no i'm good he tried to do that with bacall yeah frank no they had a relationship i think was it did it like actually turn into like a real relationship frank swooped in right after the funeral right after which is really yeah and it got in the papers which is what made them she she coined the term rat pack yes yeah yeah lauren bacall Love Lauren Bacall. Um, yeah, yeah they you, were like if up. You take they were anything up, away from this podcast. I love yeah, Lauren Bacall. They were up. They were up drinking or something like that, and she woke up and like came downstairs, and it was like the morning, and she was like, "Oh, you're all like a little rat pack." Like it was, it was that perfect Lauren Bacall. Is Lauren Bacall in the studio <laughs> right now? She might be. Um, so, one thing about "Be the Devil," great poster. If you look it up, there's a cool. Which one? There. No, I saw there's a cool different thing. If you look it up, it. the one that comes up first. Uh, on Google Images, it's a cool poster. It's a cool font. Beat the devil. It has, as oh, geez, that that's one? interesting. You're showing me one. I, I don't think I've seen. Oh no, yeah, that's the one I'm seeing. Yeah, oh, that's, that's so interesting. That yeah, that out. one's cool yeah. too. Actually, I'm, there's another like more active, more populated one that okay. I think is the one. You know what it probably is? It's the one that's on the Prime version I watched. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? But it's a very kind of. There's a lot of yellow, a lot of colors. I thought it was an interesting poster. Anyway. You know, Houston makes it, doesn't do well. I, does it even come out? It kind of barely gets a release, I think. Come, you know, obviously, like we said the rights lapse, um, given its weird release. And well, weird people production. didn't, people hated it because they just didn't, didn't get it. Yeah, they didn't know it was a comedy. Yeah. You know, and so you have these stories. So it's definitely worth it for these. And it's the, look, what's crazy is, and we were talking, me and Connor were talking about this before we uh, press record, the fact that in he, we've been talking about how old, how old Bogey looks. In Deadline USA, he's old, but he's felt. He looks good, basically. In this movie, he is ancient. And this, these two movies. Well, he's came in out, the last years of his life. Here. Yeah, and these. Those, but the yeah. point is, Deadline. They came out within a couple of years of each other. It just maybe it's the way they were filming the movie. There are a lot of cool angles. Like Houston was definitely playing with the camera, which is yeah. interesting on its own um, in regards to be the devil. But it is just kind of shocking. And yeah, I mean, only literally a handful of years later, he'll be gone. One of his last movies, last two movies, Desperate Hours and The Harder They Fall, uh, Bogey's last two movies. Desperate Hours, interesting, also remade with Mickey Rourke yeah. and Anthony Hopkins, directed by Michael Cimino. I, I like and the that origin- remake is not good. I like the original Desperate Hours. Yeah, des- the original is good. William Wyler, I believe, who also doesn't get enough credit. Uh, another one of those yeah. Richard Brooksy guys. Yeah. 
I think Weiler Weiler gets gets a lot of credit. Like there was but, a big retrospect. He, like they, they is were there a though? Big thing. Maybe like, now. Maybe now. My thing with Weiler. Got best years of our lives. Well, that's what I mean. I think Weiler's he's got like Roman Holiday is William. This is my saying. I think her, Weiler's yeah. potentially top ten. I don't know if he's ever regarded in the, on those lists because he didn't have a style. Right? He kind of would make different movies. Yeah. yeah he wasn't your, an auteur. Yeah. As opposed to your Houston's and Fords, like we talked about, where it's kind of like. That always kind of bothers me, right? Where it's like your Curtises and your Weilers are great. They're masters. And because they didn't, because they were diverse. Yeah. In the, you know what I mean? It feels, and I get the Andrew Saris of it all, the auteur theory. I appreciate it. But it always bothers, it always bothers me when that style usurps these amazing directors. Like Best Years of Our Lives is... I don't. Did you did you cover that movie? I did. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, that yeah. is uh, the. I I hadn't watched it because it was Talk one about of those progressive. where. Yeah. Oh my god! Like forty six, oh that movie. God, comes out. I I mean, yeah. Um, my my wife has is you know trained as a therapist, right. and and she was just gripped by it because of the the stuff that they deal with. Because I, I mean, I had heard of it. And I'm like, oh, it's this, you know, three hour movie yeah, austere about World soldiers War II return, yeah, returning from yeah. war. I'm like, it's gonna be a flag waving, like. And, and you almost and, the Oscars almost like make you scared of it. You're yeah. like, oh, I'm sure it's like austere, long, blah blah. And no, no. Yeah, the, the the just the stuff they deal with, the alcoholism, the night terrors, the the unbelievable. And and Teresa Wright with her relation. Oh. Myrna Loy. Myrna Loy. It, it, Myrna Loy so got amazing. snubbed. Frederick yeah. March got Best Actor. Myrna Loy should have at least been yeah. nominated. She. I don't think she was nominated. Yeah, she's for that. so great. Um, um, I just saw this because I was just zipping around uh, Wikipedia. Great Frederick March performance uh, in a kind of underseen movie, Middle of the Night, Patty Chayefsky script. Ooh, Seek okay. it out. Okay. Seek it we'll out. Do. We'll yeah, do. Interesting. Interesting movie. Um, if you get the chance. So yeah, beat the devil. That's beat the devil. It's kind of the beginning, of the end. Go ahead. One last thing I want to say about Please. that, because uh, I am an unabashed Peter Laurie fan, mm-hmm. and I know he's 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 not looking good in this one, and he's he had like some crazy crazy drug issues I oh. know of, and like I think I forget when he died. He might have died in like sixty one, sixty two. Yeah, it's not too long after um, Bogey. I don't think. Yeah, but. Um, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's like maybe three times during the movie. 64. 64. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he had 11 years left because I know he's, hey. in, he's in 20,000 leagues. He's, he's, he uh, is in 20,000 yeah. leagues. Um, but it's it's almost like he's given this speech where you're like, oh, I'm about to get this nugget of information that I need. Yeah. And as he's talking, he just walks away. And you don't catch like the end of his speech. He like sees something out a window and just keeps talking as he like turns around and like walks out of the room. Right. Yeah. And by like the third time, I was dying laughing when he did that. Yeah, I was like, that's an amazing he's, choice. He's, I mean, he's one of the best. He's too. great. I think I think there are a lot of little things like that in this movie. Uh just little choices that certain actors make. Uh that I just I, I don't know. When I when I when I cracked the nugget of like, oh, it's a comedy, it's pretty it's pretty funny. No, yeah. I will say this. Me and my wife were lucky enough to actually go to Ravello. Uh, Ooh. When we went on our, I guess for our honeymoon. Yeah, we were, were on the Amalfi Coast. And I will say, they filmed most of the Beat the Devil in Ravello. And if you go to Ravello now, it feels like that. It's like this town off the coast, right? So you have to kind of drive in off the coast to get there. So it's a bit of a thing. It's up in the mountains. It feels a little bit like a time machine. It's a really cool town. I mean, it's obviously more touristy now, of course, but 
that was one of the coolest things watching Beat the Devil was like, yeah, they, I mean, it's just cool to think about. That town's there. It's there for you. You go to those town squares. It feels very of a, of a time. So that's definitely a cool part of Beat the Devil. And once again, especially back then, filming on location like that, a studio would have never let them do that. Right. Like the fact that they took cameras and sound gear, went to Italy and filmed that thing in itself is very interesting and cool. Can so. we talk about, I just was thinking about this with all four of these movies with the exception, I mean, Deadline USA makes sense. The other three titles don't make any sense, but they're great titles, right? Like, well, Dark did- Passage, it was the book title. So you have that. But I guess, is there a dark, I mean- He's in the barrel. Like, Beat the Devil yeah. makes no sense, which I guess I, you could kind of let that one slide because if it's a spoof, they give it the title of a movie that would have Well, no, Dead Reckoning title. makes sense because he comes home and the dead is yeah. reckoning for him. I mean, okay. Come on, bro. <laughs> it's that Dead Reckoning. Is, the, is there some sort of saying on, like, you know, you got to beat the devil to something before he does the thing? Or, well, I don't, that's... I don't know. There's, there's something there of, which I was, Before uh, the devil knows you're dead. The, is that what you're before, thinking? It's not before the devil What is it, 30 minutes dead? in heaven before the devil knows you're dead? May you arrive, like uh, may you arrive uh, in heaven at least is, a half yeah. hour before the devil knows you're dead. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Because I, I felt like Beat the Devil was just like... Great title. It is. A, it's an incredible Great title. Great title. But it doesn't let you know yeah. anything about the movie. Yeah. What are you going to do? I just I'm always curious about stuff like that. I do like, always have that funny thing with some of those older movies where you do feel like they had the titles. You're right. Oh, yeah. No, it's like and that. Like, hey Truman. Yeah. Well, no, it's like that. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like that firm that names all the Nancy Myers movies, like that gives all yes. the, the phrase titles and stuff. Like, how yes. do you know? Right. And right. You know, huh. I don't know how she does it. Or my, what, you know. that's I was gonna say that's my favorite phrase title movie is the Sarah Jessica Parker movie. I don't know how she does it. And it's like, well, you're watching like, her do it. Well, she's a working mom. Like that's what the movie's about. You're like. A lot of people do it. I don't know how she does it. A lot of, millions of moms do it. Yeah. Anyway, good yeah, times. Yeah, the studios. The studios were funny back then. There's the uh, if you read up on like Val Luton. Oh my like, god. It, so underrated. There could be a whole episode about Val Luton. My be. god. They're. I mean, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. 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 But RKO gave him the titles before. Right. So he had to make his movie around that, and he would fight them. <laughs> <laughs> and make something that's like you know they're like great we're gonna we want a zombie movie I walked with a zombie is your title and he's like okay shit well, <laughs> I guess I got to use a zombie at some point but it's well, like wait. that's not <laughs> and isn't it so funny we're talking about Valley Luton because we like re met because we both went to that screening at Momi of the Bad and the Beautiful yeah which has yeah. the cat people moments. and in that movie yeah. Yeah. the character that Kirk Doug- that movie's great by the way it's amazing that's a great Vincent Minnelli amazing director the clock is yeah. one of my favorite movies anyway. That at the beginning ish of that movie, the Kirk Douglas character is Val Luton. Yep. Right? He's yeah. like this producer director and he's making these kitschy movies and there's creative flourish, but he's getting tired of it. And they have like a cat people thing in Bad and Beautiful, which is so funny. Yeah, and he like they... and he like cracks it. He like cracks like Well, yeah, and then he yeah, tries it. The and then he yeah. and then it like it, it, the movie is great. It's kind of like a stars borny, but in a lot of ways, more interesting, a little more complex, and uh, filmmaking. It's about filmmaking. It's a good movie yeah. about the filmmaking business. Featuring, I think, up until Judy Dench, maybe, and uh, uh, which was it Shakespeare in Love, where she got Best Supporting Actress. Yes, but it's Gloria Graham got Best Supporting Actress for the shortest amount of screen time. Exactly, yeah. she's yeah. in it for like eleven minutes or something. And right, then Judy Dench is in Shakespeare in Love for like seven minutes. Yeah, and you know what's funny? I always I love Shakespeare in Love, and I always think about that she won an Oscar for that. And I'm always like, that's stupid. And then whenever I do watch Shakespeare in Love, 
those scenes, I am like, she's yeah. great. And, and she's Ruby D is the shortest performance to ever get nominated. Yeah, I right? think she's in like four minutes of American Gangster. Okay. But yeah. she, sim- didn't, she didn't win, though. Didn't win, but yeah. similarly, you, you see the runtime and you go, or the, you know, the screen time, and you go, that's ridiculous. And, then, and this is the thing about supporting acting. It works. I mean, she's yeah, great she's in those four yeah. minutes, so it's kind of like, eh, you know... Screen time is not, you know, the only indicator. It's not baseball, right? You know what right. I'm saying? It's like, you know, right. you can really crush. It's like, you know, William Hurt nominated for his amazing one scene in the history of violence. And that's a crime, you know what I mean, in itself. Mm-hmm. And just because it's a nine-minute scene doesn't mean he shouldn't have probably won that year. That's, that right. performance is so crazy. Let me <laughs> ask you a question as we're wrapping up here. Sure. Um, You have your show mm-hmm. and you have a bunch of cool things on the horizon um, I know you have stuff you're working on as a writer, which is super exciting. Yeah. Who, what are things, what are movies that you're hoping to do at some point or like things you're, even genres, actors you're hoping to, to kind of tackle as you're kind of going through these classic Hollywood movies? So, so what are the ones? Yeah, that like I what are ones on your list that, that you just want to like work on? Yeah, like what are the movies or actors where as you're kind of thinking of what's ahead or whatnot, you know, you, you think would be cool to cover? Um, well, I mean, there's, there's all, there's, there's sort of the directors, right? Like I was, I was honestly thinking about doing sort of, instead of picking movies, picking like certain directors to show either their style or their versatility. You mentioned Curtiz a bunch of times and I don't know, you know, people, people listening to this podcast, whether they're, whether they know Michael Curtiz, but he did Casablanca. He did the Adventures of Robin Hood with Errol Amazing. Flynn. Talk about a, a genre shift. Oh my god! He did White Christmas. Amazing. Which, when you realize the, the same did guy, he, he did do yeah. the Seahawk. Yeah. Absolutely, and he did, and Blood, and he did and Angels did. with Dirty Faces. Angels yeah. with Dirty Faces, which is one of my favorite films. It's one of my top ten favorite films. Love. I love Angels. That's with Dirty I think Faces. top. Yeah, my dad showed me that movie when I was a kid, and I love that. Movie. Oh, jeez, the the performances in that, and it has some of the best little like one line. Well, and you, in and, that. and I'll oh. and I'll just do a plug. Um, first of all, that's a great idea with the directors, and I think definitely I would be excited if you did that. And I'll say, your episode on Angels with Dirty Faces, and we won't spoil it, you tell the great story about the dead-end kids and Bogey, young Bogey, and James Cagney. It was a great story. But just watch the episode, because it's great. Okay, yeah. you don't want to... Well, okay. yeah, yeah, well, you yeah. know, yeah. check it out. You know, yeah, find I'll, take, your, I'll find, take the plug. Find Thank your you. episode. Thank it's you. a great yeah. story. It's a great, yeah. funny story about the dead-end kids. If you don't know who they were... That's its own. You cover that well. When, when in I that found episode. when I found yeah. that that picture online right. of like the um, uh, Photoshop the, the 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 camera test. Yeah, where the six of them are standing there giving the finger. It's so funny. I was like, holy shit! This they is... were no joke. They no, were like they, and... they were they were some of, tough dudes of a time. Yeah, of a time. But just to see this, you know, with the chalkboard and it's like a Warner Brothers screen test right. and yeah. they're all just flipping <laughs> like the bird. You're just ago. like, what the fuck? So let's so, finish it like we always do. What do we want to see Humphrey Bogart do next? <laughs> Decompose. Oh, um, no. You want to see that? <laughs> well, yeah, you it's, it's happening person. whether we like it or not. You horrible No, I mean, person. I was actually thinking about this. Um, no, not him decomposing. Uh, no. What, what's your favorite Bogart? You performance or I mean yeah I mean if we're if we're talking about it because obviously he's done what he's gonna do well if you put Casablanca uh, aside let's put that one aside because you I, put it you, aside you have to pick yeah. that one yeah you have yeah, to. yeah. I don't my care. favorite performance of his or just mo- like what's your favorite, or favorite like, movie yeah, yeah existence of a movie that he's it's in. a yeah. good question 
Um, I don't love his key. I don't love Key Largo as much as a lot of people. I like it a lot. I don't love it. That's Howard Hawks, right? I believe. John Houston, brah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. My apologies. Yeah. I was thinking of to have and have not. Apologies. That is Howard Hawks. Yeah. 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 So, if it's not Sierra Madre, um, I Deadline USA is really high up there in terms of performance, and then African Queen I like. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it over to you, and I'm gonna look at his filmography to see if I'm forgetting anything. I got but, my, I got mine. All right, Connor, you but, go. No, 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 Nate. What, what do you have a my, you know, gut instinct is to say Sierra Madre just for the sequence with him and Tim Holt sitting at the fire, where uh, for those who don't know Sierra Madre, the whole gist of the story is these three prospectors go out looking for gold and they find it. And what happens? amongst the friendship of three people once you get this fabulous wealth. Yeah. But when he's sitting at the fire and he looks at Tim Holt and goes, what's three times 35? I bet you $105,000 that you fall asleep first. <laughs> I'm just like, whoa. Okay. He's like calling it out right away. But I'm going to I'm gonna say something slightly controversial. Say it. I think African Queen is a little overrated. I, I no, agree. I, I agree. Oh, the I first, agree. It, it really takes some doing to get into it. Like yeah. you got to get past that I first agree like, with 25 you. minutes. It feels like a- it, Them making it is more interesting yeah, than the movie, which yeah. the movie's fine, but- them making it is interesting. And when I hear somebody say like how the African Queen is one of their favorite movies, I'm always like, really? Like that? It's... It ages kind of toughly, which is not a word. Yeah. What about you? I have mine. I looked at it. I cheated. I looked at the filmography, and I I actually have my exact one. Uh, mine are. It's. I have two in the back of my head. I'm hoping you don't say the one that I have. It's Go. either okay. Barefoot Contessa. Oh, not mine, but great. Or in a lonely place. Tough. I knew you were gonna say that. Is that was that yours? Yeah, that was the one. Yeah. I knew yeah. you were gonna say that. Ah, Ray, Nicholas Ray. Nicholas yeah. Ray. yeah, underrated. And it's I I love it no, because I haven't it's, seen that in a long, long time. Yeah, it Nicholas is, Ray. I guess more rated now, but Rebel Without a Cause. It's an, um, what is it called? Bigger Than Life, right? Is the uh, James Mason one? Great movie. I believe that's right. In a Lonely Place. Great movie. Seek it out. And then yeah, Barefoot Contessa. Joe Mankiewicz. Uh, Ava Gardner. Ava Gardner. Really good. Yeah, and it's a really good. It's just a really um there's something about that movie and the way that he works with Gardner and it's he's you know he's old cuz he's always old, but it yeah. it still works cuz it's not exactly a romance per se, mm-hmm. you know, like he's kind of in love with her, but but he's married. Yeah, and and it's I don't know. It's great. It's a really great movie. I encourage you, uh, all those listening, to seek both of those movies out. They're really interesting, good bogey performances. Um, I think he I stretches think, himself in a. I think place. in a lonely. Yeah, I think that's the closest we get to range, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's. Uh, yeah, I'll give you that. But uh, uh, barefoot Contessa, I, I'm almost. I have like 30 more pages in William Goldman's Adventures in the Screen Trade. Oh um, wow! And that's one cool. that he talks about a lot and how. Back in the day, you could give these dynamite lines not to the star. Yeah, and he references Joe Mankiewicz and talks about Barefoot Contessa. One of my, one of my, and I think you and I have talked about this. One of my favorite lines in a movie uh, is from that movie, and it's not like a bogey line. And it's I can't remember who says it, but no, it's the producer saying. Yeah, yeah, and he goes, "It's uh, it's great art. We're doing business in here, gentlemen. Everybody be happy." And great, amazing. Uh, great. Yeah, yeah that's great. one of my favorite lines. Um, and then I'll just say, "We're no angels." Michael Curtiz, one of Bogey's last film, is it kind Peter of a weird. Ustinov, Peter Ustinov, yeah. Bogey, yeah. weird comedy that was also remade with Robert De Niro and John Penn and Demi Moore. 
Screenplay by David Mamet, I shit you not, directed by Neil Jordan, late 80s. One of the weirdest, most boring movies you'll ever see. It's a see. bad film, yeah. <laughs> and I don't even understand. It's not a comedy. It's not a drama. I don't know what it is. But the original is pretty funny, and the remake is just like, if if, if you're interested yeah. in that, just as like, what were they doing in the 80s? That's one to watch. One other one to maybe check out is the uh, K-Mutiny. Yeah, like that's that, one of my the, mom's the favorite like performances. It's, of it's his. a little. I think it could use some some editing. I think it's overly long. Yeah, and that's old. Um, and look, and speaking of range, and it's kind of interesting that now we're kind of going through the filmography. He's yeah, you know, he's he's doing a lot in K Mutiny. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, he got he got uh, Oscar. He got for Oscar that. nominated. For Didn't that. win. He won for African Queen, which yeah. again, great. If I mean, look, getting those honorary Oscars it was always yeah. a thing, you know. Yeah. So. Uh, all right. Well, I think I think we're gonna call it, right? What else? Nothing else. We no, he's great. I mean, I, yeah, I, we I, love him. Yeah, I I um, I think it's fascinating. You did bring, you know, you brought up how he kind of was always too hard for certain roles mm. and could never be soft. And I think I don't know how many other movie stars there are out there that have exercised so much of the same thing over and over and over again and still made it effective, right? Because he he finds a way to take that problem that he has of not being able to be soft and basically making that the arc of his characters, right? It's that like, this guy's hard, but you know what? He's secretly soft, right? And, and then when it becomes desperation in a movie like In a Lonely Place or Sierra Madre, it's fascinating, which is yeah, kind yeah. of what we were alluding to earlier. So yeah, agreed. It's, I mean, just what a way, what a way to just be able to stretch the, the limits of your talents, I think. Uh, any work, any work to filmmakers who knew how to do it, yeah. which is an important note. Nate, where can people find you in the world? Uh, you can find me. So my YouTube series is again classic Hollywood movie you should know, um, or just look up my name Nate Washburn or my website natewashburn.com. Boom, yeah, love there it. You go. And with this post for this B side, we'll definitely we'll definitely link to a classic Hollywood movie you should know, and definitely give that a watch after you give this there a listen are, or before you give this yeah, a listen. Yeah, there will be there's 50 of them posted right Love now. It. So just check it out. There might be some movies you might yeah, have heard of or the reason to, you know, check yeah, it out. Yeah, and they're short, you. concise and well researched, yeah, which yeah. is great. Thank and you. Connor, you, where can we find you? Uh you can find me on Twitter. I'm at scruffy looking and uh, you can read my byline occasionally on the film stage. You just did a review for Pet Cemetery remake? I did. Yeah. Which you I, thought was okay. I thought it was good. I thought it was fun, yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll Thank see you around. You. Thank you, Nate. It's Bogart we're doing work in here, gentlemen. Everybody be happy. Okay. And scurry to Lisbon. And from Lisbon to the New World. But the others wait in Casablanca. And wait. And wait.